On August the 19th of 2022, the trumpet world lost a shining star with the passing of Dan Miller. Now, everything about Dan was larger than life. He was a big guy with a big smile and a huge heart. He had an encyclopedic knowledge of jazz trumpet that he was always willing to share with anyone who asked. As a player, Dan had a massive sound that could fill up a room. Every note Dan played oozed with his passion for life and for music. But perhaps one of his greatest attributes was his skill as a teacher and his caring as a mentor to young players. Now, unfortunately, I never had a chance to get together with Dan. We tried several times to make a hang happen, but he had so much going on that we could never seem to find the right time. But through the many friends that Dan had and the friends that we shared, I felt I already knew him. And because of all the recordings of Dan that I've listened to, I certainly was touched by his playing. And so I felt it was only fitting to do this tribute to a man who brightened the lives of so many trumpet players, both directly and indirectly. So let's start with my conversation with Brad Good about Dan and his lifelong passion for jazz. I was living in Chicago in um, the mid-1980s. I, I had um, gone away to college at the University of Kentucky and, and come back. And I started my master's degree in bass at DePaul University. And I had a teaching assistant position there. And um, I met Dan because uh, I was out playing quite a bit. And Dan's father, uh, well, really both his parents, but his father especially, were very supportive of, of Dan's interest in becoming a, a jazz musician and, and would bring him to the clubs to hear music all the time. You know, they were living in the suburbs of Chicago. And so uh, Dan approached me, I think at the jazz showcase and asked for lessons. And I told him, well, I'm not really a teacher. I'm a, I'm a student, you know, I'm just figuring stuff out myself. But he was so persistent and, and so insistent that he wanted to take lessons from me. I said, well, come over to my TA office at DePaul next week and you know we'll see if we can work on some stuff and um, you know when I when I met him there I was just overwhelmed by his excitement and his enthusiasm and his love of jazz and his love of the trumpet and we got right into it and and I was you know sharing my record collection with him and and talking about the, the great jazz trumpet players. And I remember him writing all these names down. And, and um, so we had a, a really nice lesson. Well, when he came back the, the second week, he told me he had been to the record store. He had bought all of these records I had showed him and he was getting into it and he was even trying to play some of the stuff. And, and he had a very, you know, I had recommended that he, he listened to Fats Navarro, which in the end, you know, became one of his, his favorite players, I think, for the rest of his life. Um, but I remember him coming back one of those early lessons and, and saying, well, Brad, you know, what is it exactly that you like about Fats Navarro? And, you know, the answer to that question was hours long. And, 
and I I open I had a book of transcriptions of David Baker, Fats Navarro transcription book, and I started, you know, kind of showing him how Fats's lines were constructed and what kind of choices he was making, and and you know, talking about his technique and all of this, and and I I really felt like I was you know well I was talking to somebody who totally got it. It was just like everything I said, he's like, yep, I get that. I understand it. I understand it. And he was just, you know, 16 years old. Um, so so um, we had great, great lessons. He, he'd come every week for a couple of years, and, and we'd just go, you know, two, three hours every time I saw him. And, and uh, then I just kind of never heard from him again. I lost track of him. He, I knew he went off to college somewhere. I I didn't know where. Um, turns out he w he went to North Texas, of course. Um, but but uh, six or seven years later, maybe not even that long, um, he showed up one night at the Green Mill with basically the whole Harry Connick Jr. band. And um, Harry's Harry's band was so popular at that time that they had done. Um, well, Harry had done the. When Harry Met Sally soundtrack, and he was he was huge, and he was able to book that band for extended runs at the Chicago Theater. So I think they would come to the Chicago Theater for like two weeks, you know, and sell it out. And so after that first night, when he brought the whole band, and I met that whole crew of great people: uh, Roger Ingram and, and uh, Leroy Jones, and and uh, Brad Lely and Russell Malone and, and all, uh, Jerry Weldon, all those great players that were, were in the band. Well, then every other night that they were there, they would come to wherever the, the jam or, or the gig was and kind of take over and turn it into a, <laughs> a big jam session. And then every time they came to town, uh, I would hang out with the whole band. And that's kind of where I reconnected with Dan. And I didn't even know he had you know, become a successful player until he, he walked in there. I wasn't paying attention, I guess. But but um, after that, we 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 kept in touch over all the years, and uh, especially in in these last uh, ten or so years, uh, Dan had moved to Florida to to take care of his mother, and established a, a great um, circuit and career down there. And, and my mother also lives nearby in Florida. So, so every time I would go down to visit my mother, um, I would usually see my mother during the day and, and hang out with Dan at night and, and, um, catch up and, and do a lot of, a lot of jamming, a lot of playing, a lot of, a lot of talking. And, um, just, just did that last month. Um, you know, spent, spent a few evenings, going out to dinner with Dan and, and, uh, e even one of the nights, um, that he, uh, I was, I was there, he put together like a little trumpet hang of, um, notable trumpet players who were living in the area who I had never met just so that I could meet these guys, you know, which was just, just like him always wanting to, to hang out with, with trumpet players and talk trumpet and talk jazz and have everybody be together and, um, you know, I just, just miss him tremendously. Yeah. yeah. I mean, 
it, it seems like everyone I've talked to about Dan over the years, um, you know, the, the thing that comes out is, uh, you know, besides the fact he's just, he was just a phenomenal trumpet player, uh, mm-hmm. but that kind of insatiable uh, love for all things trumpet, not just the playing of the horn, but the history. And, uh, you know, he, he was such a, uh, an influential figure for anybody who, who, who had the opportunity to, to sit and talk with him because it seemed like he, he always wanted to share his passion. It was like this infectious nature of, of the passion that he had to, to become a better player and to see the level of jazz go up. So, uh, I mean, for you as an educator, I'm sure that that, that kind of, uh, you know, helps you to feel uh, like you've helped a, a, another generation because, you know, you, your, your relationship with Dan, Dan, getting him started and to see him continue uh, with that kind of tradition. Um, you know, w- with that, that passion that he had, uh, you know, how, how do you see that as being uh, a, a critical component of the things that he was able to accomplish as a player? I, I think it was it was very critical. Um, and, you know, it's funny because when, and thank you for saying that, um, I, I am I am very um, rewarded when I when I see students get the get the bug and 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 carry the torch, you know, and and certainly with Dan, I, I always was 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 very very excited to see what he was doing. Um, but but um, I I think that when I was working with Dan when he, when he was a high school kid, I thought um, you know the way to get you into this is to immerse you in the study of the lineage of the great jazz trumpet recording artists. And, and, and um, I think in my own music, in my own philosophy, and, and in my own teaching, I've kind of, I've gone other directions. I'm not as into that way of, of teaching anymore, but, but Dan became like the guy, <laughs> you know, to, for to to speak for and research and and um, um, write about write essays he had this wonderful website um, where he had essays on on the players that people might not know about um, and, and um, I made all my students go to his website all the time you know I would tell them oh you ever never heard Freddie Webster well here check this out and I'd send them the link to Dan's website and Dan would tell the whole life story and have a discography, and and Dan had all all this information in his memory. He could sit and tell you, um, you know, who was on what recording session, what date it was recorded, why so and so was there. You know, he he was such a, a a crazy nut for the for the history of of jazz and recordings, and a record collector and. and and um, so especially about jazz trumpet players wanting wanting to hear every note, you know, if he if he found out there was some recording he'd never heard, he would need to have it immediately, study it, <laughs> added to his knowledge base, you know, just devouring that music, mm-hmm. and the way he he shared that with his students, and I would see like every week. 
um, on social media, he he would post a list of all of the recordings he had played for his jazz trumpet master class at at Central Florida where he was teaching. And then I would look at that and say, huh, I don't know that one. <laughs> I would go check that one out. So I was learning from him, you know, by, by following him on, on social media all the time, for sure. You know, shared it with everybody, that yeah. passion. Yeah, well, you know, and like you said, there's the, you can have divergent paths at some point and, you know, in terms of, of the way you, you're, you're approaching uh, you know, your teaching perspective and what's important to you. And mm -hmm. it is important to have, we, we have to have those historians, you know, yeah. there has to be somebody to, to kind of keep the keeper of the, of, of the knowledge. Uh, and that's, that's a base that I think that allows us uh, for people who are a little more forward thinking, uh, it allows them to have that foundation to work off of. And maybe you kind of get to a point where, where maybe you're beyond that, but, you know the the up and coming players still need to refer back to the the that information at some point. So it's it, it's in many ways that that is that is a great loss of of having that repository of of knowledge uh, about about the history of, of jazz. But I mean, as a player, um, you know, I've always, I always loved loved this playing because uh, you know he he cover he can cover all the bases, uh, and as as a uh, as a player who who's very similar to that of being able uh you know to, to have you know outstanding improvisational chops outstanding lead chops that sort of stuff uh you know uh when you look at dan's playing and his the progression especially having seen him you know when he first was was bit by the bug like what do you see as kind of like if you had to to say this encapsulated the the style of dan miller uh or the contribution that he made as a player what would you say that would be well, I I think there he was um, very focused on beauty, and, and um, he played a uh, just a, a, a fantastic ballads. Uh, I mean, so many times over the last several years, you know, go to hear him in Florida, or or we would do things together out out here in Colorado, and I would always say, you know, play another ballad because just I love to hear him play ballads and, and he and he he had such a, a lyrical beautiful way of playing in a kind of a classic sense and and to me Dan you know you, you go to hear Dan play a gig and 90% of the night he'd play with the cup mute with the with the red and white you know stone line cup mute and and he just owned it you know he just owned that cup mute sound and Nobody plays cup mute anymore, <laughs> you know. I mean, nobody. I, I I never play a cup mute. I don't. I don't. I can't think of any jazz players who who like that love the cup mute. And he he made that sound so clear and and so fat and so beautiful. And um, you know, he really he kind of carried that real bebop hard bop tradition in 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 through its most lyrical um aspects you know he loved he loved fats navarro obviously freddie webster was one of his his obsessions um it, you know um miles uh, kenny dorham all, all of these 
lyrical bebop players. And, and I think he, for me, he represented maintaining and, and extending that tradition and, and making that, putting that out in the air for the rest of us to enjoy in real life. You know, that's, that's, I think what sticks in my mind about, about Dan's music. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it and I think it's an interesting perspective, uh, you know, for you uh, having gone from uh, being a mentor to him uh, in his, his early stages of development and, you know, maintaining that friendship and that relationship over the years. Um, you know, it, I, I know that, that from people that I have learned things from, it, it, there, there's this interesting point where it goes from uh, being solely the teacher to sometimes being the student from the teacher, you know, that you, you get influenced by, by what they're doing or thinking. So is there, can you think of anything that, that you particularly learned from Dan? Yeah, I, I think it's what it's what you and I were talking about to to not forget um, the tradition and and not and not forget that young people may not on their own um, stumble onto the right things, and and that sharing sharing the things that you you think are important from that history of recordings. Um, with each new excited young trumpet player is a, a kind of a, a communal duty, <laughs> you know, to, to, to pay that forward. And, and I think he reminded me of that a lot, you know. Awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, every, every episode of The Hang, uh, the, the last question I ask in our rapid fire round is what do you want your legacy to be? And I think sometimes we don't, you know, we don't think about our own mortality. It's something that, 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 that most people really never stop and think about. And, you know, it, now we're in a position, you know, where, where we've lost someone that, that is a, such a, has been such a vital part of our community at such a young age and, you know, still had, you know, so much more to give, but he still has left a legacy. Uh, so, you know, if you had to think about, you know, what, what do you see the legacy that Dan Miller has left the, the trumpet world? Well, I think it's two things. I, I think he's left the legacy of, of um, his, his wonderful performances and, and, and um, you, you can, you can, uh, somebody, you know, uh, brought it to my attention this week that Dan had never made a leader album. And I, and I, first of all, my brain hurt. I said, no, that can't be true. Um, but apparently it is. And, and I think that's a shame. Um, I know he's made some wonderful records and, and particularly with the, uh, the group called the, the Jazz Professors, the, his fellow faculty members at Central Florida recently. Um, but, but I think about those great videos that we all watch of, of Dan playing with, with Harry Connick or, or with Maynard Ferguson, or you know, that we have we have that, but but more importantly, um, I think Dan's legacy lives on in the many students that he touched, and and the people he inspired, and and the love for jazz, and and the love for the for the for the art of the jazz trumpet as a very important and specific subset of jazz. Um, that that he 
his enthusiasm for that and his willingness to 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 know everything he could possibly know about it just bubbled over and he shared it with everyone he could and and so there there's so many young players and not just trumpet players but you know I I know when times I would play with him in Florida he would have former students coming by to sit in on on all the different instruments so so he touched a lot of lives through his teaching and he he was a great teacher yeah yeah well you know it's uh it's always sad to 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 lose someone uh that you you know and that that has impacted you but yeah like i said with with dan i just i i even though i didn't know him i felt like i knew him and uh you know and i want to do my part to help to maintain his legacy which uh you know is that that love for for jazz trumpet and to you know, and the the love for helping other people to, to grow and to experience things that maybe they haven't experienced. So, um, you know, I certainly appreciate you taking time to talk with us uh, about this and sharing and, you know, your, your thoughts and your experiences. And do you have any last parting words that you'd like to share? Well, um, you know, appreciate, appreciate the people in your life while you're here and while while they're here and um you know when when you talk to dan whether whether it was in person or or on the phone he would always tell you he loved you and and um you know how many of us say that in our everyday conversations to our friends and so i you know um i'm happy for that you know last time i said it saw him and and, and his girlfriend judy uh last month you know, big hugs and lots of, lots of, I love yous. And, and, um, you know, that's, that's, that's important. You know, we, we need to let each other know because, um, you know, anything can happen to any of us at any minute. And, and, uh, you know, you want to, you know, you want to appreciate it. So, some, somebody said, uh, is there such a thing as a jazz heaven? And, and, uh, a friend of mine said, well, what if this is jazz heaven? <laughs> what what if you're in it right now why don't you you know why don't you appreciate you know the, the hang and and the live jazz that that's going on around you every day and 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 you know sometimes i think wow you probably doesn't get any better than this <laughs> you know when it's really happening so yeah i think dan dan felt that a lot he did yeah yeah well, it, it came through, it came through in his playing, came through his teaching. Yeah. And uh, so, um, yeah, I just really appreciate you taking time because I know how much Dan meant to you. And, and um, you know, I know this is a, a emotional time for you as well. So yeah, thank, thank you for sharing. Well, thank thank you for, for taking the time to, to honor our friend. Yeah. The least I can do. Dan was passionate about so much more than just trumpet playing. In fact, According to my next guest, Kenny Rampton, when Dan was interested in something, uh, he was all in. Kenny and Dan spent years playing together in New York, and they became like brothers. So let's listen to what Kenny has to say about Dan as a player and as a person. I heard about Dan Miller before I ever met him. Uh, we had a lot of mutual friends. Uh, he went to North Texas State. 
I went to UNLV and then the Berkeley College of Music. Dan was a couple years younger than me. I'm, I just turned 55. He was 53. Um, we had a lot of mutual friends, and I heard about him from my friends. You know, heard about what a great travel player he was, what a great guy he was. And, and then I heard he was moving to New York, and, you know, and I was excited to meet him. And we ended up on a gig together, um, playing with Wynton Marsalis, doing the, the series of videos called Marsalis on Music. And um, I might be wrong, but I think that's when we first met. You know, but Dan was one of those guys, you know, you meet a few people like this in your life. The second you meet them, they're like your best friend and you've known them forever. And that's how it felt. That's how it felt with Dan from the very beginning. You know, the moment I met him, I felt like I've known him forever and we were best friends. It was just, he was just the nicest person. And I think he probably made everybody feel like they were his best friend. He was just that kind of guy. You know, he he was a big guy. He had a huge sound, and his heart was bigger than both combined, man. He was, like, the nicest person. You, <laughs> it's going to be tough to get through, man. <laughs> well, that's, that's okay, man. You know, it, it's... <clears throat> that, you, you know, when you meet somebody like that, where, where there's just... Their, the, their entire essence just breathes... Uh, you know, breathes this this air of of love and and caring and connection. You know, it's to 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 find those people. It's once in a lifetime, and uh, when when we lose them, I know it certainly makes it that much that much harder for us to deal with. Yeah, I mean, it's words really can't express, man. That's I know that's a phrase used too often, but it's it's so true and. Uh, Dan was family, man. He was a brilliant cat. He knew more about trumpet and jazz trumpet players than anybody that I know, period. And I know a lot of great players. I know a lot of great people. Dan knew more than anybody I've ever met. He was just, I don't know if he had a photogenic memory or what, but he was like a walking encyclopedia when it came to, him, came to jazz trumpet, you know, um, he loved to share his knowledge. You know, I remember years ago, um, we were hanging out and this Clifford Brown bootleg surfaced. And only a handful of people had it at that time. And Dan got a hold of it. And he shared it with me. And it was just the beginning days of like being able to print CDs on your own and that kind of stuff. It was, you know, it was a while ago. And we decided to to pitch fix it because it was a little bit sharp. So we brought, you know, we got the equipment and Dan and I, we, we pitch fixed it. And then we started printing CDs and just handing them out through the New York trumpet community. Every trumpet player that, that we would see, you know, me or Dan would like hand out one of these Clifford Brown bootlegs because people needed to hear this. Maybe it wasn't the right thing to do, you know, given the Clifford Brown estate and, you know, to give out recordings of, of Clifford, you know, without anybody's approval, but we didn't even think we were kids. We didn't even think about that kind of stuff. We're like, man, this is some undiscovered Clifford Brown that everybody needs to hear and study, <laughs> you know? And so that's what we did, you know, we, and that was Dan. He shared his knowledge, shared his passion for, for music, for trumpet, um, for jazz trumpet specifically with everybody he could who wanted to hear it. And that's what made him, stand out as a person, made him stand out as a trumpet player and as an educator, <clears throat> a great, great educator, as is his brother, Dave, 
a wonderful trombone player. Um, you know, they come from great parents, you know, Big J and their mom, Virginia, Big J passed away recently, not, not too long ago. And, you know, here's an, another testament to Dan's heart. Dan was living in New York. He lived over on, uh, in Brooklyn. There's a Royal video store on the bottom floor and he and his brother, Dave lived above it. And a lot of cats went through that apartment or that building, Greg Gisbert, uh, Roger Ingram, a lot, a lot of great players went through living there. And, um, but it was Dan and Dave's spot, you know, and above the Royal Video, 6th Avenue and Flatbush in, in, in Brooklyn. We used to hang out there every night, you know, after our gigs finished. I didn't live far from there, so I was hanging out with Dan and Dave, and we were doing our thing and listening to music and watching movies. Dan was an aficionado on everything he did, man. You want to talk to him about movies, you know, it's when Quentin Tarantino was first coming out and Dan's like, oh, he's nothing, man. He got all of his stuff from, from John Woo. And he, he had a collection of all of John Woo's movies out of Hong Kong and showed me scenes where Quentin Tarantino had actually directly ripped off John Woo movies. And, you know, and, you know, we would hang out till the sun came up just about every night, man. We, we were super, super tight, but um, Dan was working in New York. He was, doing the same gigs I was doing. He was, you know, we were both, you know, playing with back then. It was called the Lincoln Center Jazz Orchestra with Wynton Marsalis. Um, we were in the mix of players before it became a set gig, you know. And, you know, including that mix were cats like John Faddis, Lou Soloff, uh, Roger Ingram, um, Russell Gunn, um, Marcus Prindup, of course, Ryan Kaiser were both in the mix um, before Wynton settled into a full-time position for everybody. Dan was in that mix. Dan was working with the best of the best, man. As you know, he was with Harry Connick. Um, he tried to get me on Harry's gig at one point. Uh, ended up not happening. Uh, but I did end up subbing with Harry's band at one point, you know, for uh, for his TV show. But, you know, regardless, Dan was one of, the, one of the best trumpet players in New York, period. He played great jazz. He played phenomenal lead. He was the first great lead trumpet player I'd ever played with regularly in New York. Um, and through playing with Dan, I played second trumpet in a trumpet section that Jim Rotundi was in and Steve Wiseman was in that section. Great, great trumpet players went through that section. But um, that's when I really fell in love with playing in a trumpet section and understanding roles, you know, what it meant to play second trumpet to a great lead trumpet player. And that, that great lead trumpet player is Dan Miller, you know, and it gave me a deep passion for section playing, playing with Dan. It's because of Dan, you know. He was, he was a dear friend, man, but he was working with everybody. And then, excuse me, both of his parents got sick and they're down in Florida. Um, his dad had had, what do they call it? A tracheotomy where he couldn't speak. He had like the thing in his neck and they were getting phone calls every day, you know, from insurance companies and hospitals and, and this and that and getting what Dan described to me as like a phone book size of, of bills from, from doctors and all that. And his mom was having health, health problems as well. I think she had cancer at the time, which I, I think she may have, have overcome. She's, his mom's still around, still with us. Um, but it was more than she could really handle to go through all those bills and to take care of, of big J, you know, and, so Dan left New York and he moved down to Florida to take care of his folks. Yeah. 
Penalty people would do that. Yeah. You know, that, that's the kind of heart he had, man. He left everybody, left his friends, left his career, you know, and moved down to Florida to be with his folks. He moved in with them to take care of them. And then, you know, he got down there and he created his own scene. You know, he started playing, you know, a steady, I think he had like a six or seven night a, a week gig, a quintet. He started teaching a lot. He he created a scene there that has been thriving. And now he's, you know, in the last couple of years, he took a teaching position with the university down there. And he's he's been doing great. And um, he's teaching some of the finest young trumpet players I have ever heard, man. This young cat, Nathaniel, from down there, man, he's he's on the highest professional level already, and I think he's a junior in high school. Just about to start his senior year. This kid can play, and he's a Dan Miller student. You know, Dan is a great educator with a heart of gold, man. And uh, man, I just can't believe he's gone. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it, it's it's rare to find uh, a person that's got that level of uh i mean just the chops you know being being a great player uh then being a great uh historian and being a great educator and being a great guy you know it, it it's it's hard to find anybody that 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 checks all those boxes so um you know the the impact that that he that his his life has has made uh, definitely, you know, it, it's helped to to move the world of trumpet up, you know, a space. But but I think more importantly, it's, it it made the world a better place. I mean, because everybody I've I've talked to about Dan, you know, that yes, they they appreciate him as a player. But but the thing that always comes back to is that he is just a hell of a nice guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, with, with working with him and knowing him both, you know, professionally and and you know, off the stage. Um, I mean, what do you see as like the the biggest impact that that he's had uh, on you as a person? Um, Dan always got along with everybody. He had a way about him, man. I never saw him get into an argument with anybody in the time, all the time I knew him. But yet he always stood his ground. He was never, he never backed away from a discussion, but he would discuss things with people who had a different point of view, and he was so intelligent and so knowledgeable that the discussion would always lead to them saying, wow, you're right, thank you. You know, it wasn't an argument with, you know, between people who disagreed on something. It was, you know, it was a discussion, and he enlightened people to to whatever the issue was, man. I mean, he was, he was a good person, man. He was just, you know, he lived life on his terms. But at the same time, he never backed away from a confrontation because it was a chance for either him to learn something or him to be able to teach somebody somebody something. And so... It wasn't confrontational in the sense that it was an argument or a fight. It was like, let's discuss this. Let's figure this out. Let's, you know, let's learn from each other kind of a vibe. That's that's kind of what he was like, you know. And um, 
you know, his, his passion for everything he did was so deep, man. You know, whether it was um, the trumpet or jazz music in general or a good meal, um, movies, sports. He loved sports. Um, he used to have a basketball pool in his apartment in, in Brooklyn, you know, and all the cats in town would, you know, it was an NCAA, you know, tournament. And we would all join it and, you know, it wasn't much money. I actually won it twice. I think I'm one of two people who won it twice, at least last I heard. The other one was his dad, Big J. Um, but, um, you know, we had fun, like, going through and put everybody's sheets on the walls and scoring them. And he was so deep into it, so deep into basketball, you know, be it collegiate level or or, or pros, you know. Whatever he was into it, into he was into it a hundred percent, man. He he lived life on his own terms, yeah. you know, and um, and was just the most beautiful cat you'd ever hope to meet, you know. So I mean, how did he influence me? Like just by example, being who he was was inspiring to me. Um, I mean, one one thing that's really obvious is we found these plunger mutes, these toilet plungers at a hardware store in Brooklyn. And it was the best size we'd ever found. It was a little bit bigger, the, made the plunger play a little bit more in tune. And I'd never seen them anywhere else. And then we uh, took, that, took a road trip up to uh, um, Tanglewood. And we, we would always stop and, you know, whenever we're hanging out, we would stop in any hardware store we could to look for, for plungers, you know, for toilet plungers, find the best size possible. It was an obsession for both of us. And they have that same size in this, this store we stopped, stopped at on the road. So we bought a crate of them. We bought them all. And just like we did with the Clifford Brown video, we pass them out to every trumpet player in the community that we could find, you know. And um, that actually became the base for the plunger mute that Ed Hirschman and I put out. We actually 3D scanned one that I'd given to Winton. And it cracked. Um, went and couldn't use it anymore. So we 3D uh, scanned that that plunger that I had found with Dan, you know. And then we started tweaking it and changing the shape and size and doing what we did to it to come out with the thing with you know that Ed and I came out with. But Dan was a part of that before it was a thing, you know. Now it's a thing, you know. But and of course I sent one to Dan, <laughs> you know, and you know, but um. I'm Dan impacted my life in so many ways, man. His his passion for trumpet, his passion for section playing became a part of my DNA, you know, and I'm where I'm at in my career largely because of that, you know, because I have a deep passion for section playing. You know, I understand what it means to role play in a trumpet section, to play second trumpet. There are a lot of second trumpet players who are frustrated lead players who are jealous and mad that they're playing second trumpet. You know, I'm not like that. I love playing second trumpet. I love supporting a lead trumpet player. I love playing third and fourth trumpet too. I love being in a section and understanding the role playing. I have a deep passion for section playing. And that's largely because of Dan Miller, man, because he was such a great lead trumpet player. That's one thing that to me is a little bit of a, a travesty is that he, when he went down to Florida, he wasn't playing a lot of lead trumpet that I'm aware of. He was mostly playing jazz, mostly small group jazz which was like his his deepest passion you know but he was such a phenomenal lead trumpet player you know there's 
nobody, nobody better than Dan Miller as a lead trumpet player. There are a lot of guys who are great, a lot of guys who are in that realm for sure, but nobody better. You know, Dan, he has such a huge, glorious tone, man. You know, he was always swinging, always. I never heard him play a phrase that wasn't swinging, ever. You know, he was so in tune with the spirit of the music. He played with so much spirit, so much passion at all times. I never heard him play a note that didn't have feeling in it, ever. You know, he played with this beautiful vibrato. He loved to play in the cup mute, you know. And um, even in the cup mute, he had this gigantic tone. It was unbelievable, man. I never heard anybody with a sound like his. And when he opened up and didn't use a cup mute, man, it, it was incredible. So, I mean, that... It's a shame that he didn't play more lead trumpet when he went down to Florida, but he followed his passion. He lived life on his terms. He was great at it, but he loved playing small group. He loved playing jazz. And that's that's what he dedicated his, his time to. That and, and teaching. He loved teaching. He loved bragging on his kids, man. I talked to him about Nathaniel after he came out and played at the Essential Ellington Festival when I met him. And he told me he was Dan Miller's student. I was like, oh, man, I gave him a big hug. He said, your family. You know, and I called Dan that day and talked to him about him, you know, and, and his other students, man. And, you know, Dan loved teaching, you know, everything he did, he did a hundred and hundred percent. I hate saying 110% or a thousand percent because that's all nonsense, but, you know, he did a hundred percent, absolutely everything that he did. And, um, it was a life well lived. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it, one of the things I always I always ask, you know, and I, I ask you when when the, you were on the hang, uh, you always ask about uh, what uh, what you want your legacy to be. And you know, in this case, if we're, as we're looking back at the life of of Dan, um, what do you see his legacy as his his major contribution to the world of trumpet as being? All those things, man. His passion, his sound, his students. You know, obviously his students are a continuation of him. So that's his legacy, and every one of their students is part of his legacy. Dan Miller will live forever through his students and through his family. You know, and I that's something else I want to talk about a little bit is his family. You know, Dan and his brother Dave, both phenomenal phenomenal musicians. Dave is a great trombone player, he's played with with you name it. He's he's played. He was with Harry Connick. He's I mean, I think he's teaching at uh, where is he at Rutgers now. Um, he's teaching, and like Dan, he's got a deep, deep passion for education, you know, and and for playing. He's a wonderful trombone player. He loves Curtis Fuller. He's he's coming right out of Curtis, I think, and and he's like Dan, one of the nicest people you ever hope to meet. Now Dave has a daughter who plays trumpet and she's in college and her hero is her uncle Dan. I think she posted on Facebook, called him Anki Dan. Um, and, you know, Dan taught her, worked with her and was her uncle, you know, and her, she's going to be part of Dan's legacy. You know, she is part of Dan's legacy. She's a terrific young trumpet player. I haven't played with her in person yet, but I've checked out videos of her playing and she can play, man. Um, you know, 
Dan's family and his girlfriend, uh, Judy, and you know, his mom is, is, is still here um, in Virginia. And they're just all wonderful, beautiful people. And they're, an ex they're all an extension of Dan and they're all part of his legacy and they're all going through a tough time. Yeah, I, I'm sure. I mean, it, it's, 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 any loss is, is, is difficult, but, but, but when someone is, is that, um, that deep, that giving, that connected with people, uh, yeah, it just, it, it, it feels, sometimes it just feels like the, you know, the rug's been pulled out from, from beneath you because, um, you know, yeah such a such a major major part of your of your life and you know i i think that the the greatest thing is not just the outpouring of love and support that that i've been seeing from people and that i and i'm trying to to be a part of this uh, as well but it's the fact that that so many people have, that <clears throat> I, they just say you know dan was just always there you know it wasn't like he wasn't one of those fair weather friends or you know that that mm -hmm. he they, he was always there and you knew how he felt about you and you and you knew how you know you felt for him and there was never any kind of ambiguity everything was just very very crystal clear and uh you know that um he he had that that love for for so much and uh it was it was infectious and yeah. you know so I, I know how much he he meant to you, and and obviously you know, uh, as a as a player and a, and as a friend. But uh, you know, if if there was like one thing, you know, we talked about that legacy concept. But if there's one thing that you know we could do as you know people who who weren't directly in in his life, if there's one thing that we could do to honor what he was trying to accomplish in in his life, what what do you think that one thing would be? To live every aspect of your life with full integrity at all times. That's that's a tall order, you know. That's who it was. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's so simple, but it's so hard to do. That's who he was. I was just looking back, you know, my last text message with him was a couple of weeks ago. Um, there was a recording that somebody, the, the, school the university where he teaches uh was helping to put together with an, an italian artist and dan wasn't able to do it because he was taking a vacation with judy they they went to new orleans uh they do, did that i think every year for a number of years and um so dan recommended me to do this recording well, I happened to be in Las Vegas at the time, spending time with my mom and my son and family. And we had a lot of things we had to do. And I worked for my nonprofit organization out there. And I, my plate was just too full to be able to do it. So I sent Dan a text and said, I'm not going to be able to do this, man. You know, but thank you for thinking of me. And he wrote back, I'm always thinking of you. Yeah. You know, and I just wrote back, likewise, my brother, something like that. But that was my last message from Dan you know yeah and i'm i'm sure that you you're always going to be thinking about him going forward too you know and wherever yeah you're... as is anybody who knew him yeah. i had a long conversation today with jim seeley about him 
Um, Jim is one of the baddest trumpet players I ever heard in my life. He, you know, is from Kansas City. He lives in New York now, and he's uh, one of my best friends forever. <laughs> you know, and we just, you know, we spoke, you know, as soon as we both heard about Dan, we spoke on the phone, and we just spoke again today, and, you know, spoke a lot about Dan, and, you know, we used to all hang out in that apartment, man, above the Royal Video, 6th Avenue Flatbush in Brooklyn. You know, that was the hang spot. And it was a hang spot because it was Dan's home. That was Dan's apartment. Wherever Dan was, it was a hang, you know, and people flocked to be around him. People wanted to be around him because he was just so cool, so much fun and so giving. You know, you know, there was always going to be a good time. You know, there was always going to be something to learn, something to grow from, you know, it was, you know, Dan, Dan was the best man. And, you know, when I heard about it, I texted Winton, you know, and somebody posted on Facebook, a picture of Winton and Dan from when we did the Marsalis on music videos up in Tanglewood. Um, and Winton was showing Dan how to play. There's a high A flat where it starts close plunger and it opens up. It's a long note. I think on, um, oh, what's the Duke Ellington tune? The train tune. Or the happy-go-lucky local, I think, was the name of the tune. And Winton was showing Dan how he wanted him to play it. And Frank Stewart took a picture of that. You know, Winton, he's fingering the A-flat. And Winton was playing at the time. He was playing the, the Husenberg Red and White Plunger. And it was a bunch of kids there. It was a video shoot, you know, for education and teaching kids. And this one little kid sitting right in front of him had his ears covered like this. <laughs> Dan loved that picture, man. He loved it. And um, I was there when it was taken and somebody posted it. And so I sent that picture to Winton. You know, after I texted Winton and said, hey, man, I got some bad news. And I let him know. You know, and I, you know, and it, it's tough to tell somebody in a text that their friend died, but I did with Winton. And I said, I know it's tough, man. I, you know, I said, it. I said, I know you loved him. And Winton texted back. He said, who didn't? Yeah. <laughs> and that's the truth, man. Yeah. Anybody who knew Dan felt the same way. Yeah. Yeah, and I that picture I I've seen it and I I love it. It's just uh, you know it because it, it exudes so much personality, so much love and caring and humor and uh, you know the generational stuff that's going on in there. Uh, and and I think it it it, it kind of to me it, it kind of encapsulates the spirit of of Winton and and of Dan and. Yeah interplay and that's just um you know it's 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 a, a rare convergence that that occurred there and uh you know, dan shirt he was wearing yeah it was perfect yeah <laughs> life short play hard something something like that yeah you know? yeah yeah wow. Yeah. wow you know and the first person who texted me to tell me about dan was another friend of ours who came up in the ranks and now he's musical director for Sesame Street. He plays trombone with Eddie Palmieri and Mingus Big Band and you name it. It was Joe Feidler. And Joe's one of my best friends as well. And Joe's the one who texts me about Dan. And um, 
Joe put it, he used a phrase in a text when he told me that um, says it, man. He just says, Dan was universally loved. Yeah. And, you know, and that, that is certainly something to aspire to, you know, being, being that kind of person that, like you said, that you're able to stay in your ground, but you're able to do it uh, in a, in a loving way. And, and, you know, just being completely authentic. Um, you know, that At all times, man. And Dan was universally loved, man. I never met anybody in my entire life that ever said a bad word about Dan Miller ever. He's just, everybody loved him. Yeah. He was a good dude, man. Yeah. He's, he's, he's missed. He's going to be missed, you know, but he, he'll live on forever, man. You know, I might play every, every solo I have for the rest of my life in a cup mute, <laughs> just <to laughs> in tribute to Dan, you know, I remember he, he had this old beat up cup mute you know, we we're hanging out back in the day in Brooklyn and it was falling apart, man. The, you know, the, the top part of it, the cone, whatever it's called it, not the cone, but the, the cup, Yeah, you know, had come off, you know, the, the center part of it was unglued and coming off and leaking everywhere and needed corks. And, but Dan loved the sound of that mute. It was an older Humes and bird cup mute. And that was his favorite, you know, and he couldn't find another one that quite matched that sound. So I'm like, Dan, let me try and fix it for you. So he let me. So I took it home, you know, and I, you know, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I just, you know, got some glue and I glued glued things together and patched up the holes and put some new corks on it. You know, I think I epoxied corks on, on, onto it, but it worked, you know, and it was sturdy and it still had the sound. And Dan loved that cup mute, you know. I don't know what cup, if he still had it, you know, or, or not. It probably fell apart. You know, Elmer's glue isn't the way to fix a mute, <laughs> you know. But um, I was talking to Dave about that today. You know, I called Dave a little bit ago, talked to him. But um, man, gonna miss that dude. I don't know that I'll play every cup, every solo I have in a cup mute. But whenever, whenever I do use a cup mute in a solo from now on, just know that that's a tribute to Dan Miller. A tribute to Dan. Yeah, I think we should just have a national cup mute day. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Kay, I really appreciate you, um, you know, talking about your relationship with Dan and, and sharing your insights. Um, and I mean, I know it's, I know it's not easy, uh, but you know, I, it, I do believe it's also part of, part of our personal healing process and being able to, to talk about stuff and, and, and let your emotions out. Um, and, you know, for people that are out there right now that, that are missing Dan, you know, know that, you know, we're, we're all missing him at different levels. And, um, you know, and even, even as, this, as we go into the, the, the stages of our lives where, where we do, you know, maybe you haven't lost anybody personally in your life that, that's close to, but it'd be, if you're watching this episode and, you know, when you're dealing with, with loss that understand that, um, you know, we all feel grief, we all uh you know process things differently but one of the best things you can do is just to honor the memory of the person uh by sharing the importance that, that they had in your life because that's 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 the best tribute you can ever give anybody is just uh you know being being honest about how you you felt 
Yeah, man. And thank you for doing this, Jose. This is beautiful. I mean, and this is an testament to Dan Miller, to who he was. You, you didn't know him personally. You didn't get to hang with him like many of us did. And the fact that he's impacted your life enough for you to want to do this says a lot about him and about you. So thank you for doing this, man. Oh, man. You know, I just, I, I like like you and like Dan, you know, I love trumpet and I love, you know, sharing with people and, and trying to make the, the world a little better place and uh, introducing them to different things. So, uh, you know, yeah. I, what I hope is that, you know, for the people that, that did know Dan, that, um, you know, they feel the sense of connection that, that, you know, as we all grieve through this together uh, and for people who don't know Dan, that, you know, that, that they go back and they start, you know, checking out the stuff that he's done, you know, and, and support his, his, uh, his students as they're, they're coming up the ranks and trying to, uh, you know, honor his tradition. So, you know, there, there's so much that we can do to continue to honor Dan, uh, even though he's no longer with us. But I mean, but he's always going to be with us. That's, I think that's the biggest point. He's always going to be with us, you know, yeah. so. Right on. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you and, uh, love you, man. Uh, and you know, to me, you're, you're one of those cats too, you know? Thank so, you, bro. Thank you, man. Dan left a legacy in his playing, but also in the young lives that he touched. One notable student of Dan's is Nathaniel Williford. While he's still in high school, Nathaniel has already caught the attention of the trumpet world. And just like Dan, it's not all about his playing. Nathaniel's an old soul with an understanding of trumpet that's well beyond his years, but he also has a gentle and open heart, much like his mentor. So let's hear from Nathaniel on the impact Dan made on him and how he intends to keep Dan's legacy alive. You know, one thing I'll preface all of this is with saying is that this is something that's so common with, you know, that there's just been an outpouring of love and support for Dan. And so many people have the same thing to say about you know, even if they only met him once or twice or spoke to him once or twice, ran to him, you were there. Everyone can say that they feel like they've known him forever, you know. So this, this past week, you know, I've been looking back and reminiscing. And if you boil it down, like I've known Dan only close to three years now, you know, but our relationship, like I, there's no better way than to say that it feels like I've known him since the very beginning, you know, and he always treated me as such. He was always there for me as if he had just been there for me from, from square one. Um, I met Dan in, uh, in January of 2020. And, um, he, he was, he was the clinician for the all school, the all county jazz band that I was in. And, uh, it was, you know, it was a beautiful experience and I'm, I'm always embarrassed to say this now because of the monster that he is and how close we were. But when I went into that experience, I didn't know who he was. And it's funny because I really should have known who he was because, you know, I checked out a lot of the Lincoln Center recordings that he's on, of a lot of the Harry Connick Jr. stuff that he was on. But I didn't know him, you know? I didn't know who he was. And um, our first rehearsal came around and it was just like, the best experience, the best learning experience. And he would play for us 
because you know those are all kind of versions. It's it's not just about the charts that we're playing. You know, Dan really brought this further understanding of music. You know, we worked through a lot of his teachings of uh, Barry Harris and David Baker, and um, I remember the first like crazy impression that I had of Dan was his sound when I heard him play. And we were in a, it was in a high school auditorium, but it was a pretty nice one, you know, it was kind of built for that jazz band setting. So I got to hear him play and I was just like, whoa, this was my freshman year of high school. So I had never heard a trumpet sound in person like that. You know, it was my first time where I was just like engulfed in his sound, you know, it was to this day, honestly, probably the biggest trumpet sound that I've heard live. You know, it was just like the fattest, roundest, most gorgeous tone. And uh, right away, I, I could just tell that he was somebody I really liked. I, after, like when we would have breaks during rehearsal, I was always running up to my friends. I was like, yo, this stuff is hip. You know, we were talking about the bebop lines and I'd be like, yo, check this thing that I'm coming out with, what he just told me about. And I was just super excited about all this stuff. So immediately, like, right after that day, I started showing up to the rehearsals early every morning so I could be there. And uh, he and I would just talk every morning before rehearsal. You know, it was only a couple days, but we would just we would geek out about gear. You know, I would tell him what I was playing on this and that. And he would like, oh, yeah, you should check this out. And uh, that kind of just started that started the whole relationship of, you know, him just letting me know what was up, what to look out for, what I should be doing. And, you know, every morning he would ask me like, hey man, how you feeling? You okay? You know, like it was always, uh, he always checked in on me as a person before anything else. And all of our lessons, whenever we would get into a lesson, he'd be like, how are you? He would, you know, he would ask about my family. Majority of the time that uh, I was studying with him, I was living with my grandma, my great grandma, I was taking care of my great grandma while my grandma went to work. And every every lesson I would get on, you know, how's your grandma? I, you know, he was always checking in about how things are. And uh, it was just a, a very personable, you know, a caring, caring relationship that made sure you were okay before anything else. So through that all kind of experience, you know, it was real fun. That was I, we, we played this old bassy tune and it was the first time that I ever like had to role play Snooky Young. He gave me this feature that was in this old tune, Who Me? And I had to get some stuff together. You know, he was like, yeah, yeah. You know, one thing, when I was recently on tour with NYO, one of the piano players in the group, um, his name is Brandon Goldberg. He, he was a student of Dan's for longer than me. He knew Dan for a long time. And we, this is, and mind you, this was before Dan passed, but we used to just talk about him all the time. And I remember one thing that I always remember is when he used to count the band off, the, the band in, like it was, it was real intense. You know, honk, toot, honk, toot. You know, it was real. He, Dan was an intense guy. And if you, you look at any of the videos of him playing, you know, you, you, you can tell that he's fully devoted every single time. You know, he's just all in. So yeah, you, you know, the, the all kind of stuff went by and after I got to talk with him and that's when he told me first, he was like, uh, you know, I would love to teach you. Um, he gave me his business card and I still have it. I carry it around in my wallet every day. 
Um, and he was like, you know, yeah, yeah, let's get together at some point. He was at that point that was he was still artist in residence at UCF. Um, and then the following year, he became faculty officially. But I was like, yeah. And then a couple months went by. My fault that I didn't reach out. And then uh, COVID happened. You know, I went home March of 2020. And literally like two weeks in, Dan reached out to me. And he was like, hey, brother, how you feeling? You all right? You know, checking on me. And then he was like, let's start getting together once a week. And that's when... Uh, that's when things really started, you know. Um, we spent. It's it's fun. Like I can't I can't describe it in any other way than like, Dan was truly the best teacher that anybody could ask for. You know, Th there was there was certain material that like I couldn't grasp at first, and it it was it wasn't just like him hammering out until you get it. You know, it was like. One of the ways that he taught, which I loved, was like using the things that you already know and then having you figure it out. You know, you can you can dig deep and he's not just going to give you everything. And there was so much stuff. You know, I, I've been listening to jazz pretty seriously for a long time. Even at that point, I had already, you know, I've been listening to a lot of stuff. So a lot of the stuff that he did was like um, to explain a lot of the stuff that I'm used to hearing, you know, and that was the coolest thing because then I finally felt like I had some understanding or some kind of knowledge on all the stuff that I, it sounds familiar, you know, I'm used to hearing it all the time, but I never really knew why. And he went and explained why. And uh, he would constantly tell me stories, you know, about a million different things about his time with Maynard, about his time with Roger, he would tell me all these these stories of being on Harry Connick's band with Roger, his stories with Bobby Shue. Uh, Dan Miller is the person that connected me with Bobby Shue. Um, when I had my first lesson with Bobby, it was because of Dan. Dan was Dan was there in our lesson. We did a Zoom hang, and it was the three of us, you know. And that was, that's another one of my highlights. That was a really good time. Because, you know, we, we were talking about efficiency, and we talked about the science of the breath and things like that. But, you know, it, Bobby would say something, you remember this, Dan, you know, and I just get to hear these past experiences come up. And same thing with Roger. When I had my lesson with Roger last year, that was Dan helped me, like, you know, Dan spoke to Roger beforehand. Um, whenever we had our lessons, it was just, it was the highlight of my week always because I knew that I knew that I was going to learn something new. I knew I was going to learn some kind of new material. I knew that I was going to be able to talk about things other than music with Dan. You know, I was going to just get to relax. And I also knew that I was going to hear stories about some of the greatest musicians of all time. You know, stories about people on Lincoln Center Band with Winton, Maynard Ferguson, Harry Connick Jr. You know, like the list goes on and on of like some of the best musicians that have ever been on this planet you know so it was just like this wealth of information every time that still felt so good and um w one of the things that's been really hard for me this past week is you know I I've been studying with Dan for a while and I've been really fortunate this this past year really a lot of beautiful things have happened and I've been fortunate to have 
met a lot of great people, formed a lot of great relationships with some folks. And, um, you know, whenever something big would happen, Dan was always the first person I call, you know, I would call him up and talk to him about the whole experience. And uh, he would be so excited for me. That was his whole thing. I'll never forget when I called him up after after we won essentially Ellington. He had listened to some of the live and he was like, yeah, it sounded beautiful. You and Daniel sounded beautiful. And he was like, I'm so proud of you guys. And I told him when, when I met Wynton Marsalis for the very first time, this was, I, we were doing the award ceremony and I, the first award I won was Outstanding Trumpet. And prior to this, you know, I, I had already talked to uh, Kenny Rampton and Marcus Printup and I, I had told them about Dan Miller, you know, we, we all had our conversations about him and stuff. Like, oh yeah, I love him, you know, you gotta tell him hi, all this stuff. So you know, word gets around quick and all this stuff. So, when, when called, I, I get called up for the Outstanding Trumpet and I, I go on stage and I shake Winton's hand and give him a hug and he only told me two words. That first time that I met him, he had two words, he didn't say anything before that or after that. He looked at me dead in the eye and he said, Dan Miller. And that was it, you know, the first time meeting one of the, if not the greatest trumpet players, you know, of all time. All he told me was Dan Miller, you know. He knew, he understood, you know, what that meant and obviously the kind of person that Dan was. And I, you know, I called Dan up and I shared some stuff, some other stuff that had happened at the, at essentially Ellington. And he was just so ecstatic for me. He he told me that I can imagine no great, no higher honor than to receive a compliment or recognition or developing relationship with one of the greatest people. And he told me like, I would, I know it because I lived it too. You know, I'm so grateful for my relationship with Winton. And uh, we just, we, we talked for a while about that, you know, and that was, that moment with Winton was like another eye-opening experience. Like I knew, I knew how great Dan was and I knew how lucky I was to have him. But then that was like, just like, I don't even want to say the cherry on top. That was like the whole cake, you know, it was just like, damn, you know, like these, everybody knows. Yeah. And um, I, I, I would call Dan up. Last time I spoke with him was uh, towards the end of my tour. I was on the bus and uh, I had I texted him the podcast. I sent him the podcast and I just said like, hey, Mr. Miller, um, I, I recorded this a couple weeks ago and I talk a lot about my, my relationship with you and studying with you. So he called me up right away, like right, right as soon as I sent it to him. And he was like, hey, brother, yeah, I, I checked it out. You know, thank you. I really loved it. And um, and then we just talked. He was like, you know, how's tour? He was checking up on me. How how my chops feeling? How am I feeling getting through it? You know. And um, just to show Dan's like everlasting love for everybody around him. When school started back up last year, my junior year of high school, um, we had a, a brand new jazz director, and he's amazing. His name is Jason Anderson. Incredible saxophones, but one of the greatest directors. 
And, um, you know, of course, I let him know that I was studying with Dan. And right right away, he was under like, oh, okay, let's let's see what we can do with that. His son is a, a trumpet player who's now in eighth grade. He's a monster. I mean, his dad is a really great musician, you know, so he had a head start. But he's he's just the greatest. Um, and then there's another another young trumpet player at my school, Christina Doan. She's a, I want to say she's a freshman this year and real hungry, you know, wants to learn. And at this point, Dan had also been teaching one of my friends, Daniel. He's in, he's in my grade, you know. So right away, my teacher started getting in the works like to have more people at my school studying with him. So he had his son, Xavier, studying with him, Christina studying with him. And the last time I spoke with Dan, he was like, hey, uh, you know, I've, I've been working with one of these trumpet players at your school, Christina. He was telling me about what he's saying. He was like, yeah, this, this, and that, you know, we, we had to change up her embouchure a little bit. She was playing on the red and, you know, she, we got some good stuff going, but, uh, you know, she's really great. Can you check in with her at school? You know, you know, just make sure she's all right. Work with her. Like when, whatever our conversation was, it was always about making sure that everybody was good, you know, and everybody was on the right path. Even the last time I spoke with him was about, you know, an up and coming musician at my school. The same thing, you know, he had been going over the teachings of Barry Harris and David Baker. And he also started, he also started telling her about the efficiency using the body, you know. And uh, so, of course, you know, now, especially this past week, I've, I've met with both of them, Christina and Xavier, a couple times a week. And I'm trying my best to uh, pass, pass on everything that Dan left me with. Um, but I... I do have to say that the hardest thing for me after Dan passed is um, a lot of the stuff that we used to talk about that he was very excited for me for, you know, I would talk about college or this and this and that. And it 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 just hurts to to know that, you know, I'm not gonna get to give Dan a call, you know, when when something happens or I meet somebody or I go somewhere, you know, he was always the first person that I wanted to update about something, you know, hey, hey, Mr. Miller. Yeah, I just want to let you know this and that. He was like, beautiful brother. And, uh, man, sorry. I mean, he used to always tell me, he said, uh, at the end of messages and stuff, whenever he spoke, he was like, Keep swinging, brother. You always say, "Keep swinging." Love you, brother. You know he always, he always checked in like that. You know, and uh, it was just always this forward motion. You know that I hope you're okay, and let's keep moving up. Let's keep moving forward, and and keep growing. Yeah. We talk about so much stuff, you know, and going back to when I was taking care of my grandma. He was also taking care of his mom at the same time, you know. So, like, there was times in our lessons that we're not even talking about the trumpet, you know. There was, there were, we would talk about, you know, what it's like to be a caretaker. Because it's hard. There was also a time where uh, March of last year, I got my wisdom teeth removed. And um, Dan would check in with me every couple of days. Text me, how you feeling today, man? And then... We, we had a lesson that week. Um, obviously, I couldn't play. I was fresh out of surgery. 
and um, we just talked. Like we, he was willing to do a lesson of just an hour, almost an hour and a half, you know. And he was just telling me stories, you know, and telling like, hey, you got to be careful with this and that. Don't play too soon. It's all right. Your chops are going to be there when you get back, you know. It was just uh, the best word I could use to describe Dan was love, you know, and you felt it in everything that he said, everything he did. Whenever I asked him for something, he was always winning. This was a long time ago, what a couple months ago, not a whole long time ago, when I was auditioning for this group, NYO. I asked him to write me a letter of recommendation, and he sent it to me too, and like... I cried, you know, reading reading this letter of recommendation because it was so personal, you know. It it wasn't nothing that Dan did was generic. It was always genuine and honest to whoever he was doing that for. You know, so uh yeah. In a nutshell, that's kind of some of my recollections on on Dan. Well, you know, it, it's it, Obviously, he was he was a monstrous player, you know, but the the thing that um, everyone that I've talked to uh, over the years that know that 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 work with Dan or knew Dan in, in any capacity, it, it was exactly what you said. It was love. It, it was it was love and passion. He was he loved the trumpet and he one hundred percent into it. He loved jazz. As an as a as an art form, and so you know, really into it. He loved sports. He loved movies. He loved and whatever it was, he was all in. Mm-hmm. And uh, I and the biggest thing is his. He just he had a love for people, you know. And um, and you can you could see that come through in everything that he did. You know, when he played. It was, it, you knew it was coming from his heart. And, you know, uh, like having talked to you and, and uh, your experiences with him as a teacher, it's apparently, the, you know, apparent that, that he taught from the heart. And um, I think it, it's, you know, like we talked about in our, our, our hang that we did uh, originally, uh, you know, the difference between a teacher and a mentor. You know, and he he definitely took that mentor role, and mm-hmm. um, you know he just, I I think maybe the the hardest part um, with with losing somebody like that is that you know there is they they take so much space in in our life that yeah. when, when they're gone there's just like this this tremendous hole, yeah. um, but the question then becomes what do we do with that hole? What do we fill it with? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, with, with you, uh, and I'm just going to, I'm going to switch and talk about you for just a second. That the thing that I hear from, from the, the cats that have had a chance to, you know, not only hear you play, but, you know, talk with you and things like that and interact with you is they, they say, yeah, we can tell that this is Dan's student, not just because of the way he plays, but the way he is, you know, you have some of, some of those same attributes, you know, uh, you have a ferocious love for jazz and trumpet. You have a you, you have a desire to you know be the best that you can be, but you also have that humility and that love and respect for yourself, the art, and other people. 
So, you know, you, you and, and your, your classmates, the people that, that were, were with you and, and Dan, uh, you know, these past few years, you know, you have an opportunity to, to fill the hole that he left by yeah. giving what he gave you to the world. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That, that, that means a lot, you know, uh, I, a lot of people, a lot of people have reached out to me since Dan passed away because like even before we recorded the hang a couple of weeks ago, like I told everybody, you know, everybody knew how much I loved Dan. So, so many people reached out to me, you know, and uh, it, it was hard, you know, but it was also encouraging to hear that, you know, in the same spirit of when Dan would tell me about Christina or Xavier at school, you know, Marcus Printup and uh, and Kim and Warburton, you know, all these other people would tell me, Brad Good reached out to me as well, that they were just say that Dan would just say how proud he was, you know. And uh, it just, it made me feel a little, a little, a little bit like it'll be all right, you know, because it was just that continuation of love, you know. When Dan loved something, everybody knew about it, you know, just like we're talking about with sports or this and that, you know. Uh, and uh, that just, it made me feel like I still had a piece of him around, you know. It's, it's a hard feeling to describe, but it kind of like brought a lot of stuff back, you know. It made me think about a lot of the conversations we had and this and that, you know. It's just, I don't know, it's been hard, but it, I've, I feel so fortunate a, to have had him in my life, to have had the relationship that we had, you know. And I'm also so grateful to see this, like, outpouring of love for him, you know. Everybody, everybody has something to say about Dan. And it's always great, you know. It, and it's always personal, too. You know, like, there's, there's like, some, you know, people saying that they feel like they've known him forever. But everybody has a personal experience with Dan when he sat down and was like one-on-one -on -one with them and focused on whatever it was with them, you know. Dan was not the person that was just going to give you the same run-of-the-mill stuff, you know. It was seriously like, all right, here's me and you. How can I help you become greater or become what it is that you want to become, you know. I miss him a lot, man. Well, it, you know, it, the, the, the hard part is accepting, you know, the, the fragility of life, you know, yeah. and um, sometimes it's hard to deal with, with even though loss is inevitable, uh, it still hurts, you know, yeah. and especially when someone has that much impact and, and it's, you know, what can we do to honor? Yeah honor them and you know even even though he's no longer physically here with us uh he's 
the impact that he's made on on the world is going to continue. And uh, you know, the the music that he's recorded, you know, obviously that's still going to be inspiring trumpet players forever. And uh, the the students that he's produced, uh, you know, you guys, you know, like like you especially. Uh, you know your position now to to take that that torch and to to carry it forward and and take all of the good stuff that he left you uh, yeah. and then add your own experiences and add your own personal uh, you know uh, view on it and and make something make something new and and, and great so uh, yeah. it's it's going to be a challenge yeah you know and. Uh, but I'm, I'm a, yeah, I don't know what anybody believes in, in terms of, you know, what happens to us after we die. Uh, but, you know, I do believe that, uh, you know, when, whenever you have that, that uh, need that you're always going to be able to talk to Dan. Yeah. You know, because he's, he's going to, no matter what, what's happened, where he's at, uh, I can guarantee you that he's always going to be in your heart. So all you got to do is just take that moment and just go deep in your heart and he's going to be there. And, you know, you know, what would Dan do? <laughs> and you, you can ask that question, you know? So, I mean, it's, and I a hundred percent can, can appreciate what you're going through and that, um, you know, you're, you're, you're in a, you're in a really interesting position. So I, I just really hope that, that you, um, you know, you, you can take the time to, to process, to yeah. grieve, to honor, to remember. And that's part of what I wanted to do with this is to, you know, uh, give some people an opportunity, not only to, to give remembrance of him, but also a chance to really express what's going on in their hearts. Uh, yeah. And so that other people can get a better sense of, of who Dan was and, and what, what he, what he really meant to to yeah. all of us trumpet players. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's it's deep, but uh, yeah. And so what, one of the questions that, that I, I you know I ask you on our hang and and uh, mm -hmm. I always ask every 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 guest is about legacy. You know what what you want your legacy to be, and you know with Dan now, you know his while he's passed you know, his legacy is going to live on. So, mm -hmm. so my question to you would be, what do you, what do you see his legacy as being? And then secondly, you know, uh, what, what can, what do you feel like you're going to be able to do to help to make sure that that legacy continues? Um, I think that Dan's legacy is one of, one, I think what makes it so beautiful is that, it's a legacy of who he was and how he loved before it's a legacy of him as a musician. You know, what he's leaving past with us is not just, oh yeah, he's a monster trumpet player. You know, he, he played the horn so good. He played the shit out of the horn. It's more than just that, you know, it's a lot more than that. Before that even enters the conversation, it's about, man, being around Dan was being around love, you know. You, you'll never meet somebody as passionate and as intense as Dan. I will go to, there was one time I went to UCF for, there was like 
Sean Jones was there. He gave like a master class and there was a concert at night. And then uh, Dan gave like a miniature trumpet master class. And uh, like Dan was just intense all of the time. You know, he talked about being dialed in. And it, it was very, you know, Dan was on 100 all the time. Despite Dan was super busy, you know, here in Florida, Dan was gigging like five, six, sometimes seven days out of the week, you know, like he was a busy dude. And despite all of that, he was always on a hundred at all times, you know, and one of the ways that he was on a hundred was like caring for people, for caring about his students. You know, I've got the chance to talk to a couple of his students, you know, since he's passed, you know, we reached out to each other. And it's the same thing, like, when when we think about Dan now, we just think about, like, sharing love and passion, you know. It's, it's one thing to be passionate, but I think it's a different thing, and I think it's very difficult to pass on passion, you know, to instill a passion with others, you know. Because, you know, you can, you can do something that inspires somebody, but to instill the love and passion for this music the way Dan did for me and a lot of other people, like that's that's no easy feat, you know. I've always I've always loved this music, but Dan gave me a totally different and deeper connection to it and understanding of it, you know, that just like poured gas all over the fire that was already lit, you know. And I don't think very many people can do that, like at least the way that Dan did, you know. So I think uh, Dan's legacy will be or is who we should all strive to be as a person first and then as a musician, you know, because he had all the chops in the world to back it up. I mean, Dan could play. There's no question about that. You know, one, he's by far one of the greatest, you know the sound, his ideas, everything about it, you know, an amazing lead player, you know, just the list goes on and on about things that Dan could do. So for me, that's that's the thing that I think about when I think of Dan's legacy. Like, I hope, I wish to achieve some of that, or at least some kind of percentage of that, you know, to be remembered the way Dan is remembered by the whole community, you know. And, uh, I think I will try to pass on his legacy by um, trying to follow in his footsteps, you know, and do my best to be the figure that he was to me, to others. Um, and, you know, and it's, it's on a small scale, but I'm trying to be there, for, you know, for some of the cats at my school, you know, and I just... I want to share the love of, of Dan Miller and everything I do, you know, and of course, in everything that I play and every note that I play, but also just in the way that I carry myself and the way that I talk to people, you know, I want to share because Dan's personality, his love and passion was like infectious, you know, like you, you couldn't help but be happy when you were around Dan, you know, he would just he'd crack jokes and make you smile and this and that. So I hope to just pass that on by, by example, you know, and uh, and also to pass on a lot of the stuff that he taught me, you know, there's so much 
so many gold nuggets in, in all the lessons that we had, whether it was stories or straight up how to do this, you know, how to do that. There's just so much uh, greatness in everything that he passed on that uh, that I, I hope to pass on to others after me, you know. And I've spent a lot of time thinking thinking about this. Um, Clark Terry is my favorite musician of all time, you know, across genre. I have a lot of favorite musicians. And this this has kind of been like an uplifting thought for me in this past week is that I've been I've been very fortunate to have met a lot of trumpet players and a lot of my heroes that had like a very close connection with Clark, you know. And they've all mentioned the same like similar things to me about like you know this is me passing it on because of who Clark was for me you know this is me paying it forward I wouldn't be in the position to do this for you had it not been for Clark back in the day and you know it's just th this feeling of like lineage you know from all these different people and I feel like I can I'm, I'm a part of that lineage now you know of course, you know, with the lineage of those people from Clark, but now like a, a direct connection with Dan Miller, you know, as time goes on, I'll get to tell people, you know, this is who Dan was and this is what he used to do. This is how he used to play. And I can share recordings. One of, one of the things that I, I admired most about Dan, Dan was like a wealth of knowledge when it came to anything jazz, man. It, it was so it was so interesting to see like if you just go through Facebook you know his Facebook feed and stuff like that and somebody would ask a question about you know when is who's on this record or when was this recording <clears throat> or they would say you know I need I need to check this person out in these years you know Dan was just he would respond with a catalog of like all right, these are the cats on this record. This is the year, you know, and it would just be like six, seven different recordings and be like, you know, this is what you got to check out for this. Like Dan, he just knew about everything, you know, that's I, that's a life, a lifetime of knowledge right there, you know, and uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's just one of those things that this has been a thought that has helped me in this past week is that I, I feel like I'm part of that lineage now, you know, and uh, in some little way that hopefully will help somebody in the future, I can pass on some of the stuff that, that Dan gave me, you know, so yeah. Well, I can, I can tell you uh, that you're, you're already well on that path, you know, and um, I, I think that that's it. You know, to me, what, what I, I noticed, like, you know, from just our, our initial conversations and stuff was that uh, even though, you know, you didn't spend 20 years or 30 years, I mean, you're not even that old yet, uh, studying with Dan, uh, there, there are certain people that, that, that you meet in life where there is an immediate connection. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter whether you're with them for, uh, you know, 20 years or, or 20 months that that there's a depth and and you know you're you just you're so in sync that that things just really are super super impactful and yeah that's that's what i have observed uh with you and you know my encouragement to you is um 
you know, never lose sight of the fact that that you had that that, that golden opportunity. And yeah, you know, would it have been nice if it could have been longer and he'd be there for all those those wonderful milestones? Yeah, but um, you know, the the truth of the matter is that, that you you had those moments and they have impacted your life so tremendously. And as you said, now you are part of this lineage and you have, you're put into a position where now you have even greater power to uh, ensure that this lineage continues. Um, and, you know, like I said, man, I, I, you, you've got a heart, you know, you got, you got a heart and a sound like Dan, you know, big. So thank you. now, now just, just keep a, uh, keep cranking on those studies, you know, <laughs> digging into that history. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, always, I think this is a big lesson for, for all of us is at the end of the day, I mean, everybody I've talked to, certainly we talk about how great of a player he was, mm -hmm. but ultimately what it comes down to is how great of a person he was. Mm -hmm. And, I think at the end, you know, at the end of the day, you know, when, when we all finally have to make that transition that, you know, I think we all want to be remembered more for who we were yeah, than what we did. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I hope that, that if there's nothing else that anyone takes from, uh, from this, this tribute that, that I'm, I'm putting together for Dan, I hope it's that, that, you know, the, the, the keys are, one, you know, be, be passionate about what you do. Yeah. Love, love life, love others. Let that yeah. come through in, in, in everything that you do. And, um, you know, and then the, the other one is just the, you know, don't, don't miss an opportunity to just tell someone how important they are to you. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was very fortunate that I would, in my last conversation with Dan, you know, and a big part of it was because we spoke about the podcast, but I was able to tell him, you know, thank you for everything, you know, that's, I think that's helped me a lot that if I, I would have been hurting in a different way, if I had known that I, I wasn't able to say something one last time, I don't, I'm very lucky in that sense that I don't have any regrets about how our relationship was before he passed or how things ended last time before he passed because we were able to share the love of, you know, before, before, and before he passed away. So, um, yeah, I just, I feel very fortunate for that to have been the case, you know. To put everything together, I spoke with the person who was closest to Dan and who knew him longer and better than anyone else. And that's his brother, Dave. Dave is a world-class trombonist who shares Dan's passion for both the performing of music and teaching it to a new generation. So let's hear about how these two grew up together and how Dan was a constant inspiration. Uh, well, I'm Dan, uh, Dan's brother, Dave Miller, and uh, he was my best friend. And I'm one who's passing every day, uh, constantly. There's not a uh, moment that goes by that I'm not ready to pick up the phone to call him about something uh, music-related or anything. He was really my best friend. And we grew up in Illinois, northern suburbs of Chicago, right on Lake Michigan, in a town called Gurney. Uh, when we were about 
around 10 years old is the age when you would start band. And my father, our father, had been a trumpet, uh, trumpet player during his formative years in high school, college, and beyond. Uh, he was a cornet soloist and eventually switched over to trumpet. You know, loved playing jazz, oompa music, uh, whatever was available to play. He was, he was very into it. Uh, eventually, he put the trumpet away in the, mid, in the early to mid-1950s. So by the time uh, it was time for us to pick up an instrument, my dad had a, trump a coronet, actually, for my brother, his coronet, and got it fixed and said, this is what you're playing. Uh, and he took to it, and he would practice a lot. Two years later, it was my turn. He, my dad got me a trombone. This is what you're playing. And so we would take, uh, we had band in school, some great teachers. Uh, Mr. Randy Hooverman in particular really lit the fire for us to, to practice and try to become, try to become better on our instruments. Um, we grew up in a household where there was, uh, when, when uh, the parents were home, there would be a lot of music that would be played. Uh, my dad had a great record collection with Oscar Peterson, Maynard Ferguson, Count Basie, Louis Armstrong, Buddy Rich. Whenever artists of big renown would come close to where we, to where we grew up, we would, our dad would take us. Uh, we would go into Chicago back in the days when Rick's Cafe Americana had, um, had Sunday matinees for, so young people could get in. And, uh, you know, I know a real important, a real impactful moment on the both of us was, and I want to say this is early 80s, we saw Dizzy Gillespie in person at Rick's Cafe Americana. And, you know, totally blown away. You know, musically, obviously, we didn't, we're in a hunt, you know, we don't know what's going on other than the pyrotechnics are spectacular. Right. And then just how great of an entertainer he was on top of it. And we got to meet him afterwards, and he talked to us for a long time. And uh, that was a real pivotal moment for Dan, I know, on his musical journey. Um, we would... Uh, so once we get to high school, he starts to develop some serious high chops. I don't know how he did it. I don't know how I did it. But it was like we would play along with records, and if we could hear it, we would go for it. And all of a sudden, we could get it, and he could get it, and so he and uh, so he developed into a, a really outstanding trumpet player uh, at the high school age. And um, we went and let's see, went to North Texas State. We had some great time, and where we both had the opportunity. And I followed him, by the way, to North Texas State because we had the opportunity. Um, to study with the great Don Jacoby, um, Jake was the best. He turned around. He's he turned around the way I play. He turned around the way Dan played. Dan could play great, but Jake taught him a different way to think about playing. Um, Dan also had a wonderful relationship, which I believe, which started in his high school years with Bobby Shue, who was truly a, a defining force and a big mentor. Uh, to Dan, uh, his teachings really, he would be, it was very important um, what Bobby provided to Dan in knowledge of the approach to playing the trump, the instrument itself. 
And, um, you know, one of the last things Dan did was he, he went out to see Bobby in, uh, in early July to, to go meet with him, hang, take some lessons, get everything dialed back in. Um, so those were two very important people in Dan's musical life, I would say, Bobby Shue and Don Jacoby on playing the trumpet. Um, when it comes to improvising, probably Barry Harris would be the most important figure in his life. We, uh, we moved together to New York in December of 91. Dan was, whoops, sorry about that. Dan had been playing with Harry Connick Jr. Um, and so we decided to move to New York to make a go at his professional musicians. And uh, that's where we met so many. In, in addition to the people we've met along the way, met so many wonderful musicians. Yeah, you know, you could like throw a rock from where we lived and you could hit a Kenny Rampton, a Jim Seeley. It was just the, the, the list of, of a Jim Rotundi, the list of people just, and I, that's just the trumpet players. The, the list was endless. Um, and so that was basically our musical journey from childhood to uh, our early 20s when we arrived in New York. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, that that's such a great journey. And, uh, you know, I think one of, one of the things that, that I'm picking up from that is that the love for music was, was passed down through the family, uh, you know, uh, and that, that it was a big part of, of your, your upbringing. And so it's like, you know, it's almost like you didn't have a choice but to be a musician, not that you're being forced to it, but it is just so, so much a part of who you were. Uh, you know, growing up and 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 in Dan, uh, that's the one thing I've heard from everybody is that uh, it's like he just lived and breathed the joy of music. Absolutely, yeah, Ab yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. yeah. So, so you know, I, I know I know siblings can be interesting. You know, having siblings can be interesting, and uh, sometimes you love each other, sometimes uh, not so much. You have you butt your heads every once in a while. But um, working, you know, not just uh, not just having a sibling who's a, a musician, but you know, working with him, uh, you know, in different projects, living with him, um, you know, how how did you influence each other? Oh, he was—he's uh, the deepest influence in my life on me. Period. Why aren't you practicing? What are you doing? Turn off the TV. Get your horn up. Let's go. Let's play. Uh, I know you mentioned that. Um, uh, that some siblings don't have great relationships and they're rocky patches and things of that nature. I'm going to be perfectly honest here. I had two arguments with my brother, fights with my brother in our entire lives. And I'm 52 when he was 54 when he passed. Uh, we loved each other. And he was a massive influence on me. Uh, not He would, how would I say this? I knew that he knew what was best for me. And when he would say something or recommend something or ask me to do something, I knew that there was a reason behind it and the reason was solid. And it wasn't like I was getting advice from somebody who didn't know what they were talking about. Be it life lessons, you know, how to be a good person. I mean, our parents raised us to, to, to follow the golden rule and things, but be it life lessons, you know, level lessons on professionalism as a, not just as a musician, but professionalism. I knew that his brass thing, you know, I mean, come on, we've heard him play. 
I, I knew that any any advice he would give me there. And to be honest, there wasn't a lot of advice there because we had both studied with Jake, with Don Jacoby, and, you know, that was the system. You know, the way that Jake taught, we, we kind of played the same way in, in that aspect. But improvising, you know, when we first moved to New York and started going to the Barry Harris, it was, it, it you know, it turned uh, our minds around on ways to think about how to play and coming up with a systematic, systematic approach for improvising to try to create beautiful melodies. And so I knew he always had my best interests at heart. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's, I think that's the thing is that, we, you know, when, when something comes, when you know that something is coming from a place of love, then it's so much easier to accept, you know, when you're being challenged or when you're, you're, you're giving guidance or things like that, you know, it, it's knowing that, that it is truly coming from a place that someone really wants the absolute best for you. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. I mean, and that seems to be that, you know, obviously, you know, your brothers, you're close. We would accept that as being, okay, I, I can take that. I can understand that. But from everyone that I've talked to about Dan, everybody that knows Dan, uh, they they said that that was a way that he treated everybody. It was that it was always just you know, hey, this is this is what I think, but it's not being judgmental. It's just like, hey, this is my experience, and this is what I think is the best for you, and I just want you to have the best life that you can have. I could, yep. I it, one of the things that did not occur to me because he's my brother. And I just think of him as my brother, you know, I just think of him as Dan. Um, was like the profound effect that he had had on so many people, not just as a musician or musically, but per on a personal level. Um, you know, everyone, I mean, we have heard, the family has heard from so many people from across the years, uh, just expressing their condolences and their warmest wishes on Dan. Everybody loved him. Everybody who met him loved him, you know, because he treated people the way that people like to be treated, you know, with respect and dignity. And, uh, and of course, a lot of laughs, too. You know, that, that's part of the equation, too. And uh, it's really a wonderful legacy that he leaves behind when it comes to that, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it was Kenny who, uh, when I was talking to Kenny Rampton, uh, he said that that Dan was uh, he was passionate. Everything that Dan was in, he was passionate about, uh, whether it be music or sports or movies or anything. And, and he had almost like a, an encyclopedic knowledge of these things. Uh, so you know, in in terms of like um, how you two interacted with each other growing up. Uh, do, did you have that same kind of drive for the the deep, deep, deep knowledge and the background? Yes. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It, like you said, it was not it was not just music. It was sports. It was auto racing. It was whatever we were involved in. We would go one hundred percent. Absolutely. Um, you know, every every record album liner notes would have to be read. You know, how else are you going to learn the history? You know, the books, constant. Um, when I was packing up the house, I can't, I can't tell you the amount of books that we, <laughs> that we had in the house 
in the storage unit here that every we would we would dive pretty deep into whatever we were doing very deep i know he wrote and he and uh this was not something that either one of us view as work it's what we like to do so when he when for example he wants to um really dig into book book or little you know he's searching after source material rec recordings air shots everything he can get his hands on what's been written about him you know that way you can do a deep dive into the into the what goes into the beyond behind the artistry you know so he can then you know synthesize it and write some synthesize it and write articles or whatever to to further spread the gospel if yeah. you will yeah so do do you share dan's passion uh for education as well absolutely yes i uh i'm up here in lovely new jersey i teach in the public schools i teach beginning band uh to fifth graders i start them out on all their instruments i also teach privately here at the house and uh for the past three uh Right around three years, I've been working down at Princeton University, uh, teaching jazz trombone to students who are interested in playing. Um, and uh, a few years ago, I used to work at Rutgers leading a youth jazz ensemble. And I know what's so important to Dan is that it, when you can expose the kids and students, and you know, he had, oh, he had students from a wide variety of ages, the more you can expose students to this music and to learn how to express themselves creatively, um, the better they become as people too, not just musicians. And that was one of the thing a lot of dance students when I was down in Florida the past three weeks had expressed to me, not just, well, he taught me how to do this. He taught me how to do that. You know, he taught me how to be, uh, a good person. He was my first real role model on what an adult man is should act like and how they should comport themselves in all situations. And um, you know, I think that's a very important part of his legacy. To me, that was very important when I heard it from and that was from multiple people. And that is that is so important I think that um yeah the music is great uh, you know uh, being a fellow musician, yes, you know, I, I, I love it. I love the legacy. I love the history of jazz. I love what all music brings to the table. But ultimately, it's just it's a tool for expression of, you know, who we are as a as a people, as a as a race, as a society. Um, and I think that, you know, people like Dan uh, are exceptionally rare in that they grasp the the importance of this as being a vehicle of being a better you know of, of expressing who you are and if you want to make your music better then you need to become a better person and you know that everyone i've talked to that you know the students and things like that that's what they they feel is that he exemplified that melding of tremendous talent and tremendous character and uh the the giving nature and the loving nature um, you know, uh, like I, I said before, you know, I, I never met Dan, but I felt like I knew him mm -hmm. uh, through every, through through people that that I've talked to and through listening to his music. It's, and you can hear 
you could hear his passion come through the horn. And, you know, I, that's a, the sort of thing I aspire to is, is to, to make the expression of music to be a pure expression of, of, of who I am as a person. Um, so, you know, you, you've used the term legacy a lot, and that's actually a question that I ask all of my guests on, on my show, and, and particularly I've been doing this about uh, this episode for Dan, is, uh, is about legacy. And, you know, w- you know what, what do you see the, the major impact of the legacy that Dan, Dan has left for us all, and what can we do to ensure that that legacy continues forward? You know, I, I was giving this some thought because you had mentioned this, and I'm so close to it. Um, you know, I always viewed him as my brother. He was Dan. Uh, I didn't view him as this uh, magnificent lead player or this astounding improviser. I mean, in the I, I knew, but that was not how I, you know, I saw him as my brother Dan. Uh, who I loved tremendously. When it comes to his legacy, he touched the lives of so many people. Um, So many people. Be it students, friends, fellow musicians, fans, music lovers. He will not be forgotten for the joy that he has brought to so many people's lives and the happiness. That's due to him being the person that he was. I think that seems like a, a fair statement. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, when you when you meet someone when you have someone in your life that has that level of um, I don't know how how to put it if uh, th- that purity of spirit right? you know not when I say purity you, you, you know I, I mean not meaning you didn't make mistakes you know no, I know what you mean but, yeah yeah but but you know Dan from from all accounts Dan was always Dan. You know, he didn't put on a front. Uh, he was he was a genuine, pure expression of who he was, um, and that that is a uh, that's that's a hard task to be that way sometimes in this world, and especially in the music world. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, as we as as you look out, you know, and the impact he's had on you, and the impact he's had on on people like me and or students or whatever. Um, I mean, if, if there's just one thing that you could point to and say, you know, hey, this this would be this this could be the greatest tribute to Dan if you were to do this thing or to approach life in this way. What, what would oh, you wow! One of the things that our dad taught us was that uh, if you put your mind to a task at hand and give 100% effort, you can achieve what you, what you seek. One thing that I, and Dan believed that in, intently, tremendously. 
that if you put your mind to a task at hand, if you work hard enough, if you, if you put in the time, you can make these things happen. So I guess the one thing that I would, that, okay, the legacy of Dan Miller is as follows. If you're gonna do something, you want to do something, you want to achieve something, you have to go all out. Don't have a plan B. You have to go all out to make to make your situation that you would like to see. You have control. There are outside forces, but you have control over it through your efforts. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, absolutely. So you know, is is there any like kind of closing thought that you'd like to to share with people? You know how how would you like people to remember your brother? I would like to people to remember my brother for the joy that they brought with uh, that the joy that he brought to their lives. Uh, you know, we had so many laughs together over the years. I mean, nonstop. And I think everybody you talked to, you know, beyond the the level of musicianship and how great it was to play with him and work with him, uh, he was just so, so warm and so funny. I can't I can't tell you. Uh, how many laughs we had together. And I mean, not just like chuckles. I mean, belly laughs, cough, caught, laughing so hard I can't catch my breath, starting to cry. Uh, he always had the funniest thing to say at the perfect moment. And um, I, would, I hope everyone can remember the joy that he brought to your lives. Again, either through music or just through Dan being Dan. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I think... At the end of the day, that, that's what we, we all should kind of aspire to, you know, is just uh, bringing joy to other people's lives and whatever we do, you know, whether, yeah. whether you're a musician or a, a carpenter or whatever, you know, everyone we meet, we have an opportunity to make their lives a little better. And it's obvious that, that Dan has, has influenced you in so many different ways. Um, and I, I know that he will sorely be missed and, um, you know, uh, but I, I know that his memory is also going to, uh, you know, fill you with, with love and joy and, and encouragement. And, and he's, he's never going to be truly gone because he's, he's going to be with us in our hearts and our minds forever. Yes. Thank you. Yes, he will be. Well, that wraps it up for this special episode. I want to thank all of my guests for sharing their thoughts during such a difficult time. My hope is that this episode helps to keep Dan's legacy alive and that you feel inspired to live life to its fullest and also feel compelled to inspire others through your actions. And I'd also like to ask that you consider helping our next generation of jazz musicians by contributing to the Dan Miller Jazz Master Memorial Scholarship Fund. Now the scholarship fund is being created to help aspiring young musicians that are in financial aid. So keep an eye on Dan's website for updates on this project. And the links are in the show notes. So in honor of Dan, keep on swinging. Thanks for hanging with us today. This podcast is all about creating deeper connections through our mutual love of music and the trumpet life. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast and also like and share this episode with a friend. We want to see the hang grow for show. 
please support our sponsors and consider becoming a personal supporter of this podcast as well. Remember, for less than the price of a bottle of valve oil a month, you can keep this podcast moving smoothly. The Trumpet Guru's Hang is recorded at the Candy Factory, a co-working space and social club located in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Jose Johnson is the executive producer. Post-production editing is by Mitch Bowers. Our opening theme song was composed and performed by Lexi Signal. And our closing theme music comes courtesy of The Greatest Funeral Ever. Incidental music is by Ethan Swayze and Jose Johnson. Graphic design by Ann Kirby of The Sweet Corps. The Trumpet Guru's Hang podcast is produced in collaboration with the So Good Lancaster Media Group. Uh-huh.